1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to talk about innovations and the overlap between MarTech and AdTech. Joining us is Shane Ostry, who is the CEO of Silicon Valley Consulting, which is an ad tech and martech consultancy that builds tools for marketers, niche ad platforms, and marketing agencies to help them understand how machine learning currently works in advertising platforms like Facebook and Reddit and Twitter and all the ones that you've heard of. And today, Shane and I are going to talk about the future of online advertising after the update for iOS 14.5. All right, here's my conversation with Shane O'Stree, CEO of Silicon Valley Consulting. Shane, welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Thanks. I'm glad to be here.
1: Excited to have you on the show. Excited to talk to a man of many talents. When you originally reached out to be a guest on the show, you mentioned that you were an expert in machine learning. You've worked for a couple of different social networks. I believe Reddit was one of them. What was the other social network you did machine learning for?
2: So worked with Reddit, consulted with Tabjoy, did a contract with Facebook, worked with a few companies.
1: So you've seen how the sausage is made. You've worked for some of the biggest machine learning companies in the world from the inside. And you're also somebody who understands real estate investing, influencer marketing. I call you a man of many talents. Today I want to focus in on your understanding of what's happening sort of in the advertising and data landscape. We had the big update, 14.5. First off, help me understand what the hell happened and why does it matter to the MarTech community?
2: Well, ever since 2016, there's been a snowball effect slowly building up where privacy concerns and data concerns were increasing ever so often, every single month. As this become a new juicy topic for news publications, they decided, hey, let's just continue promoting it. And whether people realize it or not, because news publications do form a bit of bias and actually does change the mindset of consumers who read the publications, this caused even consumers to start thinking, hey, what is going on with my data? What's going on with my privacy? And primarily since then, companies now have to take a stand against it, especially since a few of the big tech companies have been taken to Supreme Court. They now had to make a stand on it. And with Apple, they're one of the companies that decided, hey, let's take back control and take back data away from app developers and so forth and this has caused companies like Facebook to suffer once iOS 14.5 came out due to the changes that limits their ability to track
1: there's a political statement that says never let a good crisis go to waste and in some way i think that that's what's happening here where there is gdpr you know there was legislation passed in europe And all of a sudden, everyone that has ever used a website got a million emails saying we're GDPR compliant. We all see the accept my cookies. It becomes a news story. It's in people's face. And now all of a sudden, privacy is something that we talk about regularly. And don't get me wrong, online privacy is incredibly important. But my understanding of what's happening behind the scenes is that the biggest players in advertising are taking advantage of the consumers' concerns in privacy to try to reposition the advertising industry so it benefits them. And you mentioned Apple is making the 14.5 update change, but coincidentally, they're also adding another ad spot so people can buy more advertising to promote apps in the app store. So they are taking a step forward in the adoption of their ad platform and also potentially hurting facebook in the process because most people go to facebook to promote ads products and services so my question for you is is the 14.5 update truly a concern about user privacy and apple who i generally am a huge fan of protecting the consumers right or is this a repositioning taking advantage of consumer privacy concerns
2: I guess that is true, where there is a potential crisis, a good business person can find a way to profit. And as many people know at this point, the day was coming way before 2018, but iPhone still started to decline. And they started had to decide, okay, we need to enter new markets and innovate in new ways. And one of the ways of innovating was now trying to build their own ad platform. And they saw that, hey, we're giving all these companies billion-dollar markets. Why not we try to reclaim some of it for ourselves? And that's their decision at the end
1: of the day. Yeah, I don't mean to point the finger at Apple and saying that they're being evil. I think that from a marketing perspective, Apple has been positioning themselves to put the consumer first and think about privacy. They launched the Face ID. They have their own Apple credentials now. So you don't have to give your information to companies that are using it for advertising, but then they're becoming more of an advertising company. So... Hey, maybe they're looking out for consumers. Maybe they're trying to reposition themselves to take some of the advertising revenue against their competitors, the Amazons, the Facebooks of the world. It's not necessarily a clear message now, is it?
2: Well, it's not really the first time that Apple have done it. They have shown very aggressive moves in the past with Spotify. They warned Spotify about, hey, if you keep on promoting to our users, that it's cheaper to buy, to subscribe to your platform through their website, rather than through the mobile app that they would take Spotify off of the App Store. And they actually got, they lost a suit to that in a pro, international court. So they have done this repeatedly in the past and they tried it with Amazon. Amazon had a little bit more leverage, so they didn't have to suffer. But Spotify is a good example of Apple trying to bully their way into a new area, a new market, because they wanted Apple Music to grow.
1: Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. All right. So Apple might be taking advantage of their position as a market leader. Let's talk about what 14.5 actually is. What are the changes that Apple made? And before you answer the question, my understanding is they just basically made it harder for people to get access to data because they're prompting users to say, do you want this website to track you? Which inherently the answer is going to be no.
2: So basically all apps need to show that prompt as soon as their app opens and says, hey, do you want to accept me tracking you for X, Y, Z reasons? Or do you want to decline me tracking you, which may reduce the experience for this app? And some developers have tried things like, hey, ask me later, like an ask me later button where maybe you're not sure, well, who will become completely bad if you use it without tracking. So maybe you will click ask me later so you can decide at a later point. But then they started abandoning those apps as well. So you cannot do that. It has to be a yes or no answer.
1: Yeah, my problem with this is not necessarily that Apple is providing the prompt. Hey, do you want to be tracked? It's actually how they position this. Do you want to be tracked? Yes or no? The answer is always no. It doesn't necessarily give the app or the marketer the opportunity to say, here's the reason why we need this amount of data or what we need the data for. To me, it was too much of a blanket statement. It should have been, are you willing to share these credentials with this company so they can do X, Y, and Z, but that's just too complicated to put on a pop-up notification. So then it just became a binary decision.
2: Apple is really good at creating this realm of view that things has to be done a certain way, but with Android devices, you can literally click, hey, I want to give you audio permission, but I don't want to give you camera permission. I'm allowing you to access my local gallery, but you won't access maybe GPS or Bluetooth. Google actually has been doing that for quite some time. It's actually it's really interesting to see what Apple doing it. So it's weird that Apple's trying to like make it such a blanket statement. And of course, anyone who's been reading the news over the last two years, they're gonna think, hey, tracking is bad when they don't realize tracking actually improves your experience in most
1: cases. To me, it's like I saw all the news stories about Cambridge Analytica. Facebook must be evil. I don't want Facebook to track me anymore. And then you go through Instagram and it's like, why am I getting targeted with ads that should be towards a urban mom or something like that? Why are the ads not relevant to me anymore? Why am I not seeing anything? Why are the brands I care about not able to get in touch with me? Well, you didn't give them any data. Look, maybe I have a skewed perspective because I work in marketing. So outside of 14.5, there's also been other changes that have been happening in the ad tracking world. And a lot of it has to do with the death of the third party cookie. I don't necessarily think that was a 14.5 update, but we've seen marketers have trouble getting access to third-party data, which again, helps the large platforms because they are the ones with the most first-party data. So talk to me about, A, what does it mean for the cookies to die, the third-party cookie to die? And is that related to 14.5's update?
2: It's related in the sense that it's a part of a bigger movement. But basically, with Safari no longer allowing third-party cookies and Google Chrome also trying to take away that feature and availability and only allow first-party cookies, what happens is, yes, you might see less ads, quote-unquote, but you will still see ads because platforms, at the end of the day, if they don't feel that they could charge you money on a monthly subscription, they will show ads in order to keep the lights on for the business. And now you're gonna see a lot of ads are irrelevant. Now you see ads that you completely wouldn't wanna see because you're not that target demographic. And third party pixels, third party cookies and so forth. Now that that's being banned by all these browsers, the only people who have this data will be people with large audiences within their own platforms that collect their own data. And additionally, Apple and Google Chrome, because they control the browser, and whether you realize or not, they're still collecting data on you. It's just nobody else can collect that data.
1: So that's really like therein lies the rub is, okay, we're all going to kill third-party tracking because anybody could buy data to target whoever they want to. So instead of them coming to us the large platforms, the Googles, the Apples, the Facebooks, the Amazons of the world, we want them to buy our data or use our platform instead of them sourcing the data from you know anybody else who might be able to collect it. To me, this all feels like the large platforms are just getting grabby and saying we're the only arbiters of consumer data, not we're actually protecting privacy. It's that we want all of the data because we want to hold all the money. Am I being too skeptical here?
2: No, you're actually right, because funny story. In college, I actually was a mobile app developer, and I stopped being mobile app developer and moved towards like machine learning because I realized while publishing apps that, hey, I have to follow these guidelines. I cannot make the apps I would light. Like. I can't offer the benefits and the values I would like to give to users and consumers because these platforms control it. And I felt that the web would be free. And that's why I was more believing in the web being the future. But it shows that if a company has a platform, they want to use it to its fullest abilities. And similar to Facebook, they started being strict with marketers back in 2018, 2016. So once you have a platform, people are going to want to naturally maximize their revenue after they can't grow naturally anymore.
1: So now that the platforms are restricting access for data to be shared, what do you think the impact is for marketers? You know, I still want to be able to get access to data to target people that are relevant. My desires as a marketer haven't changed. Am I just going to give all my money to the only shows in towns, the Apple, Google, Facebook, the FANG stocks of the world? or are there going to be other marketplaces to be able to buy data and we're just going to work around the decrease in the third-party cookie and come up with some other technology that does the same thing?
2: We're definitely seeing a surge in uh, basically more niche targeting, meaning really targeting blogs and articles that have your core audience, where there's not too much guesswork going on. You're uh, cooking direct-to-consumer brand you will want to advertise with a cooking niche website, And before you might have just advertised with Google AdSense and then your ad will be spread across to all the sites automatically. But it may be that you have to form more direct relationships with that. That's something that we've been seeing. We have been trying to help blogs and so forth actually build their ads platform. And so far we've seen like you get better click-through rates with targeted more niche platforms rather than paying how many dollars per click for Facebook.
1: So I think the takeaway here is that with third-party data access being restricted, first-party data becomes more valuable. And I've been saying, well, the people with the largest amount of first-party data are the large platforms. If you want to just broadly target, those are the biggest, best, baddest shows in towns. Guess what? That's been the case all along. The other option, instead of buying data and advertising essentially across the open web, now becomes working directly with creators and publishers. And so now we get into sort of the world of creators, yay, and even influencers, also yay, is becoming a little bit more of a viable channel for marketers. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit more depth tomorrow. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Shane Ostrie, CEO of Silicon Valley Consulting. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Shane and I are going to talk about performance marketing in the influencer world. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Shane, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is the Urban Nerd. great Twitter handle. That's three words, The Urban Nerd. Or you could visit his company's website, which is SiliconValleyConsulting.io.